Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. This episode, we're going to focus on a serious topic of addiction. Now, the disclaimer is that if you have a serious addiction, or if it's to do with drugs, you probably need to get some serious help. And you know that already. And thousands of people have overcome addiction through that pathway. And I've, I've actually seen hundreds of them, and they've all come and said afterwards one thing in common, that they wish they did it earlier. So the traditional approach, if you were to go to get help, they would have uh, a standard approach, which is based on the medical model. In this system, we often use medications and you might need things such as benzodiazepines for withdrawals or even antipsychotics for really acute cases. Counseling is always part of the process and this is usually based on some CBT model, some mindfulness and some other aspects. Then they look at forms of harm reduction and gradual reduction, taking away the substance or issue slowly. They have support groups because once you can relate to other people about what you're going through, it helps in the journey that you're not isolated. Most therapy then focuses on either the substance, which is the initial part of the consults, and then the underlying issues uh, address which are the deeper and the aspects that they look at later on, such as why people started to abuse whatever it is in the first place. And as I said before, all of this yields a fantastic result. So if you're in a bad place, that's for you. But if your life is going pretty good and there's just some things that you need to tidy up, or if just out of curiosity you want to listen to a new approach, this is what I bring to the table. So as I said, disclaimer, serious stuff, get serious help. If you want to upgrade, just stay with me. So all of the stuff said is important. But for the individual with the people that I have seen, it it seems to me that it's the moments that are the hardest, the individual moments rather than grand concepts. And as I said before, most therapists examine the substance and the underlying issues, and they're super important. However, if we examine what actually happens in any type of addiction, whether it be drug or anything else, we notice that there's one thing in common, and that's a chemical response. Now, everyone knows that drugs cause a chemical response, but if you didn't know Even non-drug addictions have a chemical response within our body through the endocrine system. So whatever your problem is, if it's drugs, food, pornography, anything, whatever it is, make sure that you notice what the key element is, and that's the chemical response. And when does it arise? Now, I've noticed that it's always to do with the anticipation phase. So often people, when they look at uh, addiction, they look at the substance, they look at the, the problem, but if we look at the chemical response in the anticipation phase leading up to the use, that 
is where it all is, the excitement and the anticipation. Now, the interesting thing is, as I spoke before in the emotion episode, I said that we have compound emotions. And often if somebody is doing something that is not good for them, then they have a sense of wrongness. And and this is kind of like fear. And if you combine this with anticipation or excitement, then we get the classic thrill. Thrill is the compound emotion. So have we experienced thrills before? Of course. Anytime you go on a roller coaster, anytime you go to the show and go on the scariest ride, that is a thrill where anticipation and fear meet. We also encounter the thrill before any addiction. It's just something that's hardwired into us as such a powerful, visceral response. Thrill is pre-use. It's not during the use. So back to the carnival example. If you go to a carnival, you go on a ride, often you don't really feel a thrill afterwards or towards the end of the ride. It's normally at the peak, just at the start or just when, just before you get on. And this is the focus. So my thought is that if we deal with this at the pre-use part, we deal with addiction. And if someone doesn't anticipate positively the effect, then reason and willpower will make it easier to deal with their addictions instead. So how do we, re- how do we reach this level? So the first point is that we have to recognize this as a process. You can use mindfulness or just logic reason just to, just to see if what I've said is true, if it's got the ring of truth. Secondly, we have to associate the issue and the step to not using the drug. So, for example, at a minimum, we have to take one step backwards. So this could be through many pathways. The first one is you could emotionally transmute part of the emotion so that the compound emotion is different. That is break down the thrill where we could address either the anticipation or or the fear component. Or we could look at reverse engineering for something positive. We could keep active or interested enough because boredom is a big part that comes into it. We can use NLP change technology. We can do anything so that we focus on the pre-use and that's the immediate pre-use so that that powerful draw no longer pulls us in so much. And once you get to that place, suddenly it loses its effect and then we can move on to the ultimate goal of all of this. And that is moving away from the emotional state and on to logic and reason. Logic and reason are paramount. And I think that they are the things that get anyone out of an addiction ultimately. But when people are trapped in that emotional cycle, they just can't see clearly and can't see how important it is. So only once we're out of the emotional trap and we replace it with something else like living courageously and intellectually, knowing that you have lived your purpose and fulfilled your potential and that you're not a slave to sin and you're not a slave to addiction and all this other rubbish, once you reach that point, then you can say, huh, this addiction 
does not own me. In fact, I can start to own my life. I can start to take charge again. I can start to make this my universe and live intentionally. And once you reach that stage, you can see that the addictions from the past were just a waste of your time. And as I said before, the sooner you do this, the better your life will be. In this episode, we explored ways to overcome addiction. People often look to something external to make themselves feel better. And if they lack purpose altogether, then this thing can become an addiction. Naturally, the prophylaxis for this is by having purpose. And our next guest is here to talk on exactly that. What is your purpose? Hey, Josh McLean here from CatalystIgnite.com. And I'm here to talk to you about finding your purpose and really unpacking how do you find it? How do you get unstuck? And what is it all about? You likely are listening to this because you want to get better in life. You want to achieve more, get to that next level. So I'm going to share a little bit of what I've learned along my journey and also share some of my learnings from my recent book called Catalyst. Uh, it is available on Amazon, and it is all a really, it's around my learnings on helping people um, ignite their spark within to achieve powerful transformation. And the journey of finding purpose is one that is rife with confusion. And many people, when they think about finding purpose, they attach it to the idea of goal setting. And while I am a firm believer in goal setting, I teach people how to do goal setting. The fundamental issue is most people go from the couch and they triple jump to goal setting, thinking that somehow setting goals is the answer. So what I want to talk to you about is why goal setting uh, without proper guardrails can indeed be somewhat detrimental to your growth. So let me back up a little bit and just talk about how do you find your purpose and what prerequisites are necessary for this conversation to even make sense. Two things. First, you need to understand your current state. And what I mean by that is the average person is on autopilot or sleepwalking through life and they're really, they're just kind of being led by their calendar, checking off to-dos and they're kind of numb to life. And so you need to pause long enough to understand how are you feeling? Get in, back in touch with your emotions. And I've identified four types of individuals as I've, I've talked to people, kind of coach them, mentor them. There's four kinds of people that I run into that are pursuing their goals but haven't quite reached where they want to get to. The first one is the continual learner. That's somebody who's motivated by acquiring new skills they seek personal development, but despite that uh, desire for achievement, they feel stuck. The second category is dead dreamer. Dream for more, but you have temporarily given up on life. Your light has gone out. Your, your eyes are dead. You're just kind of going through the motions, and you might even say that you're dying a slow death each day. The third kind of person is the externally impacted. This is somebody who... You, you've had a, uh, an event, external event has hit you and just put your life on tilt. Could have been 
For me, it was a car accident that required years of recovery. For people I know, it's been a loss of a loved one that has just totally rocked their world. Or you maybe you're silently fearful. You've been playing small, and you've never really pursued that big idea. And people might look at you externally and say, you are successful, but inside you know that you are built for more. So when you think about how do you find your purpose and get unstuck, one of the very first steps is to create margin in your life. We are living in a society that is in constant information overload, and we are up against the greatest minds who are waging psychological warfare for your attention. And if you are not actively engaged in trying to contain and reduce the amount of information coming at you, you are losing. I'll just tell you that right out. You are losing the race because they are basically hitting you with messaging and you're not even trying to put up a defense. So the first step is to create some margin. And that is, there's a few practical, tactical ways that I do that. One is to turn off my radio. When I turn off my car at night, I turn off my radio. And that way, when I turn it on in the morning, it is quiet. And that first half of my morning drive is some of the most introspective time that I will get in the day. The others have to do with scheduling intentional time throughout the week. Uh, I also have a block of time in the morning when I get up or weekend time. So making sure that you are intentionally uh, creating separation to really hear yourself think. When you think about those aha moments that happen in the shower, a lot of times or even the, the ahas that happen when you lay your head down because it's the only time that your brain is not being bombarded with information and your brain has things it wants to tell you, but it can't talk to you if you're only in intake mode, only in consumption mode. So the first step is to create margin. So once you're at the phase where you create margin, then the next step is to uh, get into this idea of goal setting. And I... Uh, believe or have created this framework called legacy goal setting. And the idea, we don't have enough time to get into it today, but the idea is the uh, framework of goal setting most people use is called SMART goals. And the fundamental issue with SMART goals is they are isolated in nature and they kind of start in the middle. You set a SMART goal that's six, 12 months out, and you're kind of stuck in this, well, how do I get there? What does that mean? How do I work that goal back? And a lot of times smart goals are disconnected from who you want to be in a larger sense. So what happens is left to your own devices, smart goals become somewhat of a lopsided achievement that need to be balanced with other parts of your life. So when I first came across goal setting in 2004, 2005, I set three goals for myself. And they were three external goals. Uh, it was make six figures, uh, have three designations after my name, and work for Nike. Those aren't inherently bad goals, but they're bad in the sense where I over-indexed all my time and energy into those goals to the expense and sacrifice of my health. I gained almost 40 pounds. And to the expense of my new marriage where... Um, only because of the faith of my wife that we, uh, she kind of hung in there as I just totally was focused on school and not focused on pouring into this, this relationship that deserved more time. So 
not having a holistic view of who I wanted to be, I let smart goals, I achieved my goals eventually, um, but I epically failed in life. I didn't have balance with the things that truly matter. So legacy goal setting is around thinking through, thinking forward to who you want to be five, 10, 20 years. Now think of it like your eulogy. If you were to pass away tomorrow, how would you be remembered? And is that something that actually excites you? Are you proud of that? And for most people, the answer is no, they would die with regret. So the idea of legacy goals is to connect to that version of yourself that you want to be, what matters most to you. And it, some of it's going to be financial, but there's also going to be family. I have two kids and those, those kiddos, those wonderful, uh, uh, just young human beings that are going to grow. If I'm not intentional, when I come through the door in the morning, I'm missing an opportunity and that's on me. So once you define that legacy, then it's a, then it's a matter into, well, reverse engineer that into, into five-year goals to say, if my vision of who I want to be, you've defined your categories. And if that vision is true, then what would have to be true in five years for my 20-year vision to be true if you want to pay for your kid's college or you want to retire early or you want to go travel Europe or you want to go run ultra marathons once or twice, whatever your, whatever your goals, they're, they're, they're individualistic. This is one thing where you can't cheat on the test because my goals are not your goals and vice versa. And to be honest, it doesn't even matter what you're doing because I need to connect to my higher purpose my calling in life, if you would. And some of that's only going to come by the first thing we talked about, which is creating margin in your life and reflecting on the questions that require self-reflection, that require you to chew on the answer, get a partial answer, come back to it the next day, the next week. So once you define who you want to be and you've connected that to 20-year and five-year vision, that's when smart goals start making a whole lot of sense because then you can work back those five-year vision statements into smart goals that actually are connected to who you want to be and your full potential. So for me, I recommend four to five legacy categories or categories that you are going to wake up every day and be intentional about making progress. You're not going to go all in on every one every day, but ultimately you know where the roadmark, where the goalpost is or the milestone that you're trying to reach. And the interesting thing to think about is that most smart goals become more tangible in nature where once you start doing legacy goal setting, a lot of your goals are going to be a mix of some are going to be tangible, some are going to be a little bit intangible. Like for me, one of my goals is for my kids to know me as a loving, caring, supportive father, which can be hard to measure. However, we've come up with a way to track that on a weekly basis that includes the tone of my voice. So I had to take this somewhat subjective idea and say, be a better father, and really start to define it and ask, involve my kids. Goal setting for a lot of people is an individual sport, when the people that need to be connected to your goals are all around you. And it really is a team sport. So I've involved my wife, I've involved my kids, I've involved 
uh, my accountability partner and my mentor to make sure that I have a 360 degree view. And if you pause there, this is where the other challenge for most people do goal setting and it's individual where they have these five, six, seven individual goals, but they don't calibrate that to look at are those goals even synced together? Do they make sense together? Is that is that a bunch of ingredients that when put together, does that make the recipe of success or does it make just a really bad recipe that doesn't, doesn't pan out? So that means you need to start flexing the muscle of no and not now. What I mean by that is that you need to get better at saying no to things. And it's not about saying no to bad things. It's about saying no to okay or good things so that you can say yes to great, remarkable activities that align to who you are. And the idea of not now is even when you have done all that, you have a list of 10, 20 things that you want to do. And most people get discouraged and don't even start because it's too hard or overwhelming. And you have to sequence those. You have to say, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do first? What must I do? So if I rewind the clock to last year, I, uh, I was involved in a car accident in 2014. I had a brain injury, vision impairment, muscle damage, and it was a almost three-year recovery period. So super painful. Don't recommend it as a, as a growth uh, opportunity or avenue. But ultimately, when I, I had a choice to make, will I decide to just play the victim card or will I decide to basically get up and start living life again? And when I did that, I started to tap back into things that had been exciting, uh, things that I wanted to do. And I had a list. I'm actually looking at it uh, over my shoulder right now. There's probably nine things on that list that if I could wave a magic wand, I would do all of them. But I had to look through the list and really tap into what is closer to my greater purpose, my greater vision, uh, my full potential. And then I, I narrowed it down to three. And I thought I could do all three new things at once. And I realized, no, I had to pick one thing and do that to the fullest at the expense of not doing the other things. Not that they weren't interesting or good and they're still on my roadmap, but I had to pick and I chose publishing a book. Notice I didn't say write a book. That's what a lot of people say. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And it, it was the verbiage, the psychology was very much around, I will publish a book. A lot of people say, I want to write a book. And when you start peeling back that onion, you ask people, they say, well, yeah, I've been writing it for two, three, four years. And the reality is they're not working towards an objective. They're kind of playing small. So those are some of the framework items. I do want to leave you with another self-reflection exercise or question. And this one is a little bit different because when you think about goal setting, the next question is, well, why, why doesn't goal setting work? Why, why doesn't goal setting work for some people and it works for others? And I think the, or my thesis statement is that many people or the majority of people are dealing with hidden roadblocks. And those roadblocks are going to impede your progress and your achievement of the life that you want to live, regardless of how good your SMART goals are, regardless of whatever you put on the calendar. If you don't deal with your roadblocks, you are going to 
be wondering what's wrong, what, what's going on. So that being said, the three roadblocks that I believe you are likely suffering from, one or all three of these, are one is wrong identity, meaning you have attached your identity to your job title or your role in the family. You might be a husband or a wife or a sister or a mother. Those things are true, but they don't define you in its entirety. Number two is that you've been gripped by fear. And I I use the phrase, fear is a hidden epidemic infecting millions, silently robbing people of their full potential. Fear is something that I... Basically, fear was gainfully employed in my life for 30 years, and I let the idea of my voice let me play small. And I've decided that that is no longer going to be the case, and I have not lived a fearless life, but instead I have looked fear and essentially walked towards fear as an indicator of my highest potential. So one is wrong identity, two is fear, and three is weak goals. What I mean by that is that these goals that people say they have, when you start asking, well, what are you doing? They're really wishes or desires without any structure. And I believe that goal setting is super powerful. And and one of the quotes I want to leave you with is from Jeff Olson, who wrote the book Slight Edge. And it reads, people who live with huge, vivid, clearly articulated dreams are pulled along those Uh, pulled along towards those dreams with such force, they become practically unstoppable. So on your journey of becoming unstoppable, becoming remarkable, tap into who do you want to be? What is your legacy? Tap into what is holding you back and start creating margin in your life. Hey, I've really enjoyed this conversation. If what I'm saying kind of connects and resonates, definitely hop over to uh, catalystignite.com. You can find more about me and even take a little mini course on those hidden roadblocks or even drop me a note, say what you liked or even what you want to hear more about. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com. If you like the podcast so far, you will love Michael Pulser's new book coming out soon, Alpha Dude Personal Upgrade. In this text, we look deeper at the Alpha Dude system with many not-seen-before tools and techniques which will upgrade you so you can fulfill your potential. Stay tuned for details.